Greetings, and thank you for checking out this sermon from Kingdom Life Community Church in Morrison, Illinois. If you'd like more information about our church, go to kingdomlife.global. And now, here is the sermon from our pastor, Steve Harmon. Okay, um, hey, you know, we went through the Gospel of John in roughly about seven months. That's pretty good. You know, we did roughly did a chapter a, a week. Um, sometimes we stayed in a chapter longer than that, but... I'm pretty proud of myself. That's pretty awesome, okay? I want to tell you there's a difference. When I was your youth pastor, um, I didn't do so much books of the Bible. I was, I was um, topical in my presentation. And that's just what I knew to do. That's what felt good to me. That was natural. And it worked. But as soon as I became your, your lead pastor here, there, it, it like switched. And I wasn't really comfortable with that. But I found that there was a blessing in that because um, teaching the books of the Bible are important and should be done, but it also brings a clearer focus to um, what you're doing uh, in, in the body as well. And so that was interesting. And so that's why I've done mostly since we've been here just, just books of the Bible and stuff. Today, um, uh, we're, we're in between books, but I want to share with you something that I think God has put on my heart. And so we're always talking about the kingdom. Look, there it is. See? It's over here, Facebook. Kingdom, right there. That's our sign. And so we are called Kingdom Life Community Church. We were at one point Open Bible Fellowship Church. We changed uh, a year and a half ago or so uh, to Kingdom Life Community Church because of what God had put on my heart that the elders agreed with and the board of directors agreed with about the vision and the pursuit of where we are going as a church and that there needed to be a name change to reflect that better. Okay, so that doesn't mean every time a pastor leaves a church, they change the name. That's not what that means at all. It was, and, and, and someday when I leave, don't expect the name to change. It, this was just something specific that God, I believe, was, was calling us to do. And we've talked about that, and, and you all were excited about that too, and I thank you. Um, I've, always, I've told people when I first took over, you know, how's it going at the church? And they were asking me like a few months into it, and I'm like, well... First thing we did is we spent like $50,000 and changed the name of the church. Nobody left. You know, it's pretty good. You know, it's a pretty drastic change, right? The air conditioners, and we changed the name, and you all rolled with it well. And I thank you for that. Um, and so we're kingdom-minded. So we're Kingdom Life Community Church. And when we talk about kingdom, a lot of times we're always talking about the stuff, Right? the healings and the deliverance and all that kind of stuff, which is true and which is what we're pursuing more of. And he's like, well, how do you pursue more of that? I'm going to tell you, you can't, you can't do the stuff unless, before you do the stuff, you need to be thinking about kingdom things. Before you do kingdom stuff, you have to be thinking kingdom things. See, being in the kingdom, the first thing that happens to happen is there has to be a switch in your mind uh, a focus from, from whatever else it was at to kingdom. It's a worldview, if you want to call it, or, or a lens in which you see or view the world around you, right? And so because of that, um, if you're a Christian, you have to have a kingdom mindset. You, the way you think, everything you think, how you act, what you do has to revolve around one thing, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. 
All right? It, it has to revolve around that. You cannot have other types of thinking or worldviews that supersede the kingdom if you are a believer and a disciple. Nothing else works. You have to be kingdom-focused. Hosea 6.4. Let me just um, start there for a second. Uh, in, in, the, in the book of Hosea, this is very interesting. Uh, Hosea, you remember Hosea... Um, he, a prophet tr- going after uh, Israel, you know, all the bad things they were doing, nailing them with it, all that different kinds of stuff. Um, but Hosea is the guy who uh, the Lord told him to go take a harlot as a wife. Remember that story? Uh, so go take a harlot, from, go take a wife from among the harlots, right? And what was the whole purpose of that? You know, I, this is just, this is very broad. I'm not diving into Hosea. But the whole purpose of that was to understand how God feels when his people play the harlot with other things. The closest thing he can do for Hosea is, the, you want to you wanna know what I know and feel what I feel? Then go take a prostitute as a wife. Then you'll begin to barely understand how it is between me and my people. And you roughly know the story. He goes and takes her as a wife. They had children, but she runs back to the others, right? Then he goes and gets her. She keeps going back. He's like, now now you're kind of getting a clue of how God feels when he's done all this great stuff for Israel, but they keep chasing other things. And finally, at some point, Hosea is going to say, hey, listen, and you've all known this. Maybe you didn't even know what book of the Bible it was in, but you've all known this scripture of when he comes and he says to them, "Um, what did I say there? Yeah. Yeah, here it is. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. So Hosea is going up there. He says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And listen to what else he says at the end of this. He says, I, will, uh, I also reject you from being priest for me because you have forgotten the law of God and, and I will also forget your children. So this is a very powerful statement that God is, is saying through Hosea about this, these, this kingdom of Israel whom he loved, right? He absolutely loved them. They were to be his bride. They were to be set apart. They were to cherish, not to so much be exclusive as they were to spread the glory and fame of who God was throughout all the world. That was the initial purpose. But, but she kept chasing after other things. She kept going until finally... There is a lack of knowledge, and they're going to be destroyed from it. So let me tell you what this means. The lack of knowledge is not just something that happened. It was a choice that they made. Lack of knowledge is a choice. They did not pursue him. They stopped, and because they stopped, they lost their retention of who he was, his attributes, his holiness, all of it. They forsook it and they chased other gods that would please their flesh. So glad that doesn't happen today, right? Okay, so because, because there was this lack of knowledge, they're destroyed. They're cut off. It's done. You look at, at uh, again, in, in Hosea 6, 4. He says, um, I'm sorry, uh, 6, 6. 
He says, for I desire mercy and not sacrifice and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. See, there's, there's that knowledge word again. What is he saying? Listen, you can get so traditional in doing what you do where there's no heart in it what for all or, and not even know why you do what you do that it means nothing to God even though he started it in the first place. So he says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Because in Isaiah, and Isaiah and Hosea around the same time, Isaiah would say at this time, listen, your new moons, your Sabbaths, all that stuff has, has become an offense to me. Well, God's the one that started that stuff, but they've become an offense to him. Why? Because there's no heart in worshiping God in it. It's just tradition. And because it's tradition, they're going after and chasing other things. The Baals, Ashtoreth, all these other gods that are out there, fertility cults. It's not that I don't need God. It's just that he's not, it starts out with he's just not enough for me. So I need these other things. So I know God, he said he would be my all. But maybe God will also use um, Baal this, or this fertility, uh, fertility thing so that'll make my you know it'll make my my garden really grow and all I have to do is pay some money and sleep with the prostitute and I'll get a better yield in my harvest see it doesn't start out big this drifting away and and walking away from God it starts off very small and it starts off with the thinking of I don't know if this is really working anymore it's very soft and, and a lot of times what happens is you go to church day in and day out and week after week with the thought in the back of your mind, but you'll never confess it to anybody because you're too religious to do that. But in the back of your mind, it's like, I don't, I don't know if I really believe this anymore. I don't know if this stuff really works. I mean, I've been taught this stuff. But is it, is it, ah, there's so many other things out there. These are the things that start in our mind that are trying to drive us off. It's like when you get a little tiny cut, right? And you're like, ah, it's just a little tiny cut. It doesn't matter. But all of a sudden, you know, you don't wash your hands and maybe you're working out in a farm and all of a sudden that little cut is getting a little bigger. And then you see the red lines start to go up your finger because it's an infection. And, you know, uh, that type of thinking that I just talked to you about would look at that red line and say, ah, it's just a finger. It can't be that bad. You know, but the red line all of a sudden starts going up your arm, right? Because the infection is starting to spread. And the goal of the infection is to kill your body. And it starts off with your finger or wherever your little cut was. But it's not going to stay. If it's infected, it's not going to stay there. And it's the same with our mind when we entertain thoughts that are contradictory to God and his word and his spirit. It starts off small, and then all of a sudden, a few years down the road, you're like so worldly and so far away, but you're so good at hiding it and speaking the words that when all that happens is one event, a small event. And I'm not even talking about an argument in the church. It can be something on Facebook that just sets you off, and now you're done because that's happening, <laughs> People who are Christians and all this kinds of stuff and love Jesus in one post yet curse things in the other. And you're like, what, what were you just saying about Jesus? Let me ask you something. If he were sitting at your dinner table, would you use the same language that you use on Facebook? Facebook? Right? Would you? Because he's everywhere 
all the time, so it's never like you're outside his presence. It's never like he doesn't know what you're saying. But for some reason, we believe that when we come into the church and we're double-minded, that if we act good here, it's okay that we act different out there. You have taken the hook of compromise, and it's not going to stay relegated to just that issue. It's going to spread like a virus to destroy the things of God. To sooner or later, you're doing things that you never thought you would do again. But now because your faith has been destroyed, you've entertained things you shouldn't have entertained, whatever it is, now you're going back to the same old ways that you always did, and you're wondering how you got there. Or or, Or now you're like, you're feeling peace. Did you know that people who walk away from God will experience peace? It sounds wrong, doesn't it? But it's true. But the peace they experience is the peace that happens when they've given up in a fight. See, the evidence of struggle in your life and the fights that's going on are not that God is not there. It's that God is there. And you're battling and you're fighting. So the evidence of the struggle is the evidence of faith in your life. You're like, this seems overwhelming, but I'm not giving in. I'm not going to let that happen. And so you're fighting and fighting. And sooner or later, there's going to be a progression because you're fighting in faith and the enemy is fighting, however, from fear and all that different kind of stuff. There comes a time when your faith will overcome the fear. And when that happens, you will experience a tremendous godly peace that comes upon your life. As a matter of fact, you can even have godly peace in the battles that you're fighting. You're never going to stop fighting until you get to heaven. But there is a moment in your faith when you have refused to be denied, when you have said, I, I don't care how bad this battle gets, I'm not giving up, I'm pressing, pressing on, that the devil has to give up. He has to stop attacking in the way he has. And you begin to walk and run, jump, whatever, talk, think in victory from victory instead of from your fleshly idea of defeat. This is important because I feel at one point a lot of Christians were there. But because of compromise, they've taken steps back. It's like that old shoots and ladders game, right? Tick, 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 tick. Oh, there's a ladder thing. Draws me all the way back to the beginning of the game. I hate that, right? But a lot of times people's faith is, is like that. Because they're, they're, they're living from a fleshly plane, or they've embraced compromise, or they've refused to, to keep pursuing in the knowledge of God. And because of that, they don't grow. They don't grow. If you're not growing, I love this from... from uh, You ever watch that movie, Shawshank Redemption? Right? Great, great movie. It's a prison movie. Um, uh, It's uh, Tim Robbins and Morgan Freeman. And Morgan Freeman, his name is Red in the movie, and he's been in prison for, well, when the movie begins, he's been in prison for years and years and years. He's probably considered a lifer, not probably ever going to get parole. But he has this statement in the movie that has such spiritual uh, connections to it for us. He turns to, to the guy and the word is you need to get busy living or get busy dying. And I've, I've always retained that because I think it's so appropriate when it comes to our faith today. You need to get busy living or get busy dying because there is no maintain. There is no maintain. 
There's only forward progress because you're, you're going to a destination. And I'm not talking about struggle. I'm, I'm not talking about works. I'm saying that your faith should always be growing because you are always pursuing and experiencing the goodness and the greatness of who God is in your life and in this area and in the community of which you live. He believes he's coming right down. Come on, buddy. It's an altar call. Here he comes. I'm going to take that as a prophetic thing. They're going to come run into the elders. And a child shall lead them. All right. Amen. Okay. I don't even know where I was, but that was cool. All right. So, <laughs> so we're looking at this. And so uh, Hosea is going to say, for I desire mercy and not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. He's like, you're pursuing of, of who God is, not just up there on a throne, but in here. It's like, well, how do you get that? Well, listen, in Matthew, what is it, chapter... 9 verse 13, Jesus quotes a Hosea when he's talking to, these, to the, the, the Pharisees about the kingdom of God. He says, go learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. That's what he tells them. And they're, not, they're asking, like, when is the kingdom going to come? And Jesus is going to say in Matthew, listen, the kingdom is not about observation. You're not going to say, hey, look, there it is, or look, there it is. He says, and this is important, the kingdom is within you. It is within you. You. That means that everything that Jesus is talking about, about kingdom, comes from here. It's not something I'm going to observe over here. And he's going to say, hey, listen, there's going to be a time when the, you know, you're going to wish the, for the days of the Son of Man, but it's not going to be like that. And there are going to be people that are going to be saying, hey, look, he's over there, or look, he's over there, but don't go after that, because the kingdom is here. If his presence resides in you, where else do you have to run to see him? He's here. Now listen, we can't lose our knowledge. But the other thing that the Bible tells us in, in, uh, in Proverbs 4, uh, 7, is he says, hey, above all things, what? Get, get wisdom and get understanding. I'm going to do some math for you, okay? Are you ready for this? It's, yeah, me doing math. And probably some of my elementary math teachers just rolled over in their grave when I said this. But here it is. Here's your math equation Ready? Knowledge plus understanding equals wisdom. Because James tells us, for those who know what to do but don't do it, to them it is sin. So you can have a knowledge of what to do, but reject the understanding, which the understanding is how to act out or to follow through the knowledge you have in your brain that God has given you. And so I can, many people have knowledge, but we're lacking the understanding, the follow through of, 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 of making, taking the knowledge, working it out, and then it's producing wisdom in our life. And so, and so we're, 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 we stop at knowledge. It's not enough to just no Bible verses because the devil knows Bible verses a lot of people know Bible verses but why isn't it producing power in their life because they have not taken it from here to here and worked it out everywhere else in their life and that's why you have people with no wisdom who say they believe but do the stupidest and dumbest things you could ever believe on this earth 
maybe you're one of them. And I'm not trying to, to be condemning towards you. I'm hoping that there's a moment of revelation here in your life where you say, I've had a lot of knowledge, but I have not worked through the understanding of how this applies into everything of my life. And because of that, I am lacking in wisdom. You know, I got, we talk about this, you know, I, I, I've said this before about, you know, sitting on the couch with a bunch of people watching football, like last year. <clears throat> and so uh, watching, watching football, and, and you always know when, when the professionals do something stupid, and I've done it, oh, that was dumb, I would have done this. Well, if you could have done that, you should have been out there. <laughs> but you really can't do that. All you can do is you have a knowledge of what should be done, but you really have no understanding of how to get it done. And nobody wants to listen to somebody who has knowledge, but no understanding and no wisdom. M many people will sit there in, in, in churches like it's the couch, watching Monday night football and armchair quarterback stuff. It's because they have knowledge, but they've never done anything. A lot of times they're just still sitting there in their anger, their fence, their bitterness, their fear, or whatever else. And the only thing they know how to do is because they don't want to deal with the stuff and use the understanding from the knowledge they have to deal with the stuff. They'll use it as a condemnation thing to throw and heap at other people to make them feel better about themselves. That's a vicious cycle. You're like, why am I not getting better? Why are things not working out? To take a step back. Look at the knowledge you have. Ask God to give you the understanding of how to put it all together in your life. Because we know Proverbs 3, right? Trust in the Lord with all your might and lean on on your own. Why? Because your own understanding is foolishness. Trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, what? And then what is he going to do? He's going to direct your paths. So you're going to get knowledge and you're going to get understanding. You don't have to just figure this out. He's going to give it to you. He's going to give you the knowledge. He's going to give you the understanding. And you're going to look like a wise person when all you've ever done is listen to what God has had to say, do what he told you to do, and you're going to look great in front of other people. It's as simple as that. You're going to look great. You're going to look like, oh man, that guy is so spiritual. That guy is so holy. They're going to be lobbing those, those, those Christian word bombs at you. And they, man, you're so, I want to be discipled by you. You're so, oh man, all I did was listen and do what Jesus told me to do. And even the dumbest sheep can do that. You don't have to have an IQ of 200 to be obedient. You just got to have a yielded heart. And he's going to make you look so good. And you know what you do when that happens? You reflect that glory back to him. Man, you are so full of faith. Uh, thank you. I know what you're trying to say. But I'm going to tell you something. I am nothing without him. And about the first time I become disobedient, I'm starting myself down a path of looking like you. <laughs> right? I don't, I don't want to look like the world. I want to look like him. So I need knowledge. I need to not just retain it. I need to pursue the knowledge of who he is. I need to allow the understanding of how to do what he's called to do or what he says or how to apply all this stuff in my life. And, and what does that look like? You're, listen, you're going to have situations that are coming up in your life and you know where you're at by how you deal with the situations. You do. It, you, have a, you have a spiritual uh, 
thermometer as well as a thermostat in your body. And your thermometer will tell you where you're at by how you respond to the, the things that you come up against with. And, and your spiritual thermometer will tell you fleshy spirit. And it doesn't lie. It's the Holy Spirit. Man, I've been there. Thinking you're something and something comes up and you're like, oh wow, <laughs> the bottom just dropped up on the spiritual thermometer. That was really fleshy. That was really horrible. And what does that tell you? That tells you, like, maybe I'm not so much that I thought I was. And so, Father, what should a spiritual man, how should a spiritual man respond to crises that come up or, or to issues or whatever, stuff like that, things with my kids, things with my wife, things at work, whatever. All of those things are, are, are under your kingdom mindset. And the kingdom will filter itself out, if you'll allow it, into every aspect of your life. It's hard. Because, because you've got to resist doing things in your own and how you think it should be done and listen and wait for what the Father is speaking. Are you getting it? L listen, there's a kingdom. There cannot be a kingdom unless there's a king. And the king is way up here, and I am way down here. And the king is also a father who will speak to me lovingly, tenderly, guiding me in all areas if I will let him, if I will not fight him on these things, if I will listen and then do these things. Okay, kingdom minding is about having a, a worldview or a mindset on about, about this earth, um, that is shaped by heaven. Let me say that again. Kingdom mind is about having a worldview or mindset on or about this earth that is shaped by heaven. Matthew 6, 9 and 10. Uh, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Okay? That's the scripture. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it's already done in heaven, which means if you have heaven's mindset on things, that is when you can execute heaven's stuff on earth. It doesn't come through your fleshly attitudes. It comes through focusing my mindset and putting everything under kingdom. Not over kingdom, under kingdom. I am under him. He is the father, I am his son. I am under him. And when I place myself there and put the responsibility on everything, of everything on the shoulders of the only one who can carry it and just do what he tells me to do, I walk in peace there too. And then I also see victory, how it plays itself out in my life. But I'm not going to execute the kingdom of heaven on earth if I don't have the mind of Christ and the mind of heaven in me. I don't execute the kingdom of heaven in my own strength which means I have to have heaven's view, which is God's kingdom, about where I am and what I am doing on this earth. Everything. We think, man, that's really hard. It's really not. What's hard is to try and figure stuff out on my own and attach a Christian label to it. If I just listen. Because doesn't the scripture say 
He will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him? He will keep you in his peace when your mind is stayed on him. That's a good God. All right, look at, uh, we'll close the book on this here in just a second. Let's look at uh, Romans chapter 8. Look what it says. So I have to have, I have to have heaven's mindset. I cannot, I, if I'm going to execute his kingdom on earth, then I have to understand his kingdom from heaven's perspective. And Romans said this, this is where the, this is where we lose the battle, people. Here's what Romans says. Um, for those, it will start in verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is at enmity or war against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. Okay, so what is that really saying? That means if you don't have heaven's perspective, spiritually minded on everything, your carnal flesh that you're living in is going to put you in direct conflict with God. Do you hear me? Living in the flesh is not funny anymore. Living in the flesh Having the mind of the flesh puts you in direct conflict with God. Remember? I mean, we, I, I'm sorry I used this again, but Peter, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Great, wonderful revelation. Now I'm going to go to Jerusalem for rebuking the Lord. He went from spiritual to flesh in about one nanosecond. He went from having a great revelation from the Father to being called the adversary and an offense to Jesus. And that is the difference between spiritual and fleshly mind. And it can happen like that. This is why we want to be on guard. On guard. Okay. Um, <clears throat> when I dwell carnally, I, I actually war against heaven's view on things. When I dwell carnally, get this, I am actually a, at war against heaven. Does that sound like a good idea? Right. It does not. I'll take that as an amen. There's a lot of prophetic children here today. All right. Go get them. Right? I don't want to be a, at war against heaven's viewpoint on the earth. I lose that battle every single time. I lose it. I'll lose it in my mind. I'll lose it in my heart. I'll lose it in my soul. I'll lose it in my body. And I may lose it at the end. I don't want to have a fleshly viewpoint on things. I want to be spiritually minded. And being spiritually minded means that I'm going to have the kingdom of heaven in here. I'm going to have the kingdom of heaven in here. And I'm going to have the kingdom of heaven out here towards you and you towards me. So there's going to be a whole lot more mercy with us, with each other, than there, than there may be. We're going to have much more understanding towards one another. Listen, you should have great understanding towards me and I should have great understanding towards you because we're both fallen people and we, don't, we both know what a fallen nature can do. So we can agree with each other that the fallen nature is bad and strive together to live in the spiritual mindedness that God has called us to that will exist in community as well as kingdom. Amen? Amen? All right. So let's not be a people who are going to be destroyed because of our lack of knowledge or wisdom or understanding. Let's not be a people who are going to be left on the side of the road because we have forsaken the things that God has told us personally and corporately. Let's not be a people 
who are living in outright defiance towards the kingdom in heaven. Let's be a church who exists ordained by God to be in a cornfield to preach, teach, and reach people for the kingdom of God. Seeing people saved, healed, and delivered, man. Let's not, let's, let, let's not let the little things in life become the main things in life. Let's let the main thing in life, which is the kingdom, become the main thing in life. Let's let the most important things, let's dwell, our minds dwell on the goodness of who he is, his peace, his love, everything of that, and let's push off to the sides the negativity that is trying to destroy us, to keep us focused on things that we should have power over through him. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, stand with me. All right, I, uh, just a quick hand, hand uh, who, what elders are up for praying, just so I know? Okay, Rich and Mick. Listen, if, if, if you're needing prayer on this, then, then they're going to meet you in, in the study. You can walk right through there, and they'll lay hands. You can get prayer for anything. Is, this is a prayer for anything type of thing, but especially today. If there's something that God is stirring in your heart, the only way you can defeat flesh is to repent from it. Oh, stop it, Steve. It hurts. I know. I have to repent. I have to acknowledge that I've been living fleshly. I have to acknowledge that I've been listening to, to the enemy speak from the lips of my friends and believing that, oh, that's harsh, instead of what the still small voice is saying in my life. I have to stop exalting people over the king. It's not easy. Brokenness never is, but I'm telling you, he, he doesn't break that he doesn't <laughs> remake, okay? If he breaks you, he'll remake you all the, way through the, all the way through the process. So Father, in Jesus' name, God, you are so good. You are so awesome. Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for light, for life, for love, for energy, and Jesus, it's all from you. God, we just bless your holy name. This is your church. We are your people. Help us, uh, Lord God. Uh, forgive us, God, for compromise. Forgive us, God, for treating you as common. Forgive us, God, for thinking things that are, that are not from you and dwelling on things that are not from you. Forgive us for living in offense. Forgive us for living in fear. Forgive us for living in anger. But also, Lord, thank you for your mercy and your grace. That Father, even though we we've, may have dwelt in these things, that Father, you, you still reach out to us and you still lift us out of it. I thank you for that. I thank you for that. And in Jesus' name, Lord, I am, I am, I'm excited about what's going to happen. The moves that you're going to do in this area, in this region, we say yes and amen to that. We just bless you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. Thanks for joining with us today. And if that message touched your heart in some way, please let us know by emailing us at info.kingdomlife@aol.com. You can also find us and reach out to us on Facebook. And we hope that you will join us again for another podcast from Kingdom Life Community Church.